Everyone knows Auburn as the cow college, but Auburn's agricultural programs aren't just about cows or even your typical farm animal. From the Auburn Plainsman, this is Sweet 1111. I'm Collins Keith, podcast editor for the Plainsman. This week, and I know this is shocking, but we're back with another agriculture-focused podcast. Instead of looking at just agriculture, however, podcast writer Katie Carroll and I will be talking about aquaculture, the farming of aquatic animals. We'll look at the pros and cons of this type of farming versus commercial fishing, as well as how Auburn's fishery program, from its founding in 1933, has grown to fit into that area. Stay with us. Hey, this is Evan Mielens, online editor of the Auburn Plainsman. I just want to remind everyone, if you'd like to support this organization and our podcast team, you can log on to theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Once again, that's theplainsman.com, and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. When most people think about where the fish on their plate comes from, they picture gruff, bearded men on boats with fishing poles catching the fish one by one. In reality, these fish are likely caught by commercial fishing companies that use large nets to catch thousands of fish a day. But what do we mean when we say commercial fishing? I think uh, harvesting fish for with the intention of selling them. That's Matt Catalano speaking, associate professor in the School of Fisheries, Aquaculture, and Aquatic Sciences. And those tends to be larger scale type of fisheries. Yeah. Do you, can you give any examples of those larger scales fisheries, like a company that does that? Uh, well, the biggest fishery in the U.S. is Alaskan pollock. And that's, you know, if you eat a filet of fish sandwich at McDonald's, that's going to be Pollock. If you eat, I don't know, if you like sushi, they have that fake crab. I think that's um, processed Pollock. Uh, That's a huge fishery. Um, So that would be, you know, that's the biggest commercial fishery in the U.S. in terms of yield. Um, So... So that's why I mean, there's there's tuna fit you know the tuna the canned tuna that we eat those are commercial fisheries um, uh, you know fish meal and fish oil pellets that might be um, you know the the anchovy fisheries Peruvian anchoveta is the the big fish meal fishery you know for processing those fish into food for other fish or um, you know omega three oil type pills and things like that. Yeah. Catalano describes himself as a quantitative fish scientist. He breaks down the pros and cons of fishing based on data. And and so and considering multiple different um, indicators of of both harm and benefit, like okay, what are the sizes of fish? Uh, how much total fish are we getting? What's the value of the fish that, when it's sold? Uh, how many jobs? Uh, what's the probability of the stock going extinct? What are the potential? Uh, harmful effects on non-target species like bycatch. Um, what are the, the negatives of trawling? You know, you mentioned trawling. So changing the environment with the fishing gear. It's, it's more about trade-offs, I think. You know, how much, there's certainly negatives in any human endeavor that we engage in. And so, um, how much of the bad stuff are we willing to live with? in the interest of achieving some of the benefits. And those are tough things to to hash out, obviously, and that's why it's controversial. And, you know, at one seat, not everybody 
values the same benefits the same way and not everybody value, you know is is worried about the risks as much as everybody else so it, it's it's difficult to figure out but that's that's the hard work that you know needs to be done so you heard catalano mention bycatch and trawling these terms are often cited as negative impacts of the fishing industry these terms are often cited as negative impacts of the fishing industry but what exactly are they Bycatch. So that's that's an important one. So that's the 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 capture of non-target species. So you're fishing uh, with a fishing gear that oftentimes doesn't just catch only the species that you're interested in that you're allowed to, to sell. And so uh, other species, not even fish, could be birds, could be turtles. So that's the big issue with turtle recovery and, and turtle population survival rates can be uh, low enough due to bycatch it can affect those populations so, so they get caught you know they uh, take the bait and you know they get hooked or they get caught in a, um, a trawl so those are um, so that's downsides for sure um, bycatch um, there is uh, the trawling we talked about the trawling so some trawls are bottom trawls and so, so a trawl is a big net like a really big stock and in some places, in some fisheries, they, those end up dragging along the bottom because that's where the species, the target species are located. And so that can um, negatively affect the structure of the bottom and the other species that are there and change the architecture of the, the, the bottom habitat and things like that. There is also an environmental impact of this industry, plastic waste. Today, you hear people talking about forfeiting plastic straws to save the ocean. But how much of this waste is commercial fishing responsible for? Yeah, there's an enormous region or a couple of different regions in the Pacific, particularly where these plastics, mainly plastics, are accumulating. And it sounds like estimates are maybe about half of that is uh, related to fishing gear, discarded ropes and um, nets and things like that. And, um, you know, have negative consequences for the health of the animals that eat eat this stuff um i I mean there's also the physical entanglement issue that some animals can become entangled in discarded fishing nets and things like that so there's that too although catalano does recognize the downsides of commercial fishing he also said that it provides a number of benefits to the economy and creates a healthy lifestyle they they create jobs so there's people that want to work in that industry and and can support their families and that sort of thing um, in that industry. Um, there's, uh, you know, food. They're producing food for humans to eat, and it's uh, in the grand scheme of things. I think most of the health folks think it's conclude that it's pretty healthy food compared to maybe some other foods that, that you might eat. And, you know, it, it gives people access. You know, it's pretty expensive to catch your own fish. So you're not, you're, you rarely are you saving money catching your own fish. So this provides, I mean, people that don't have access, people that don't have a boat, people that just don't have access to a fishery or fish um, can buy fish. And it may seem expensive at the store, but it's cheaper than catching your own. So it's expanding access to a, a healthy Uh, relatively healthy food source. So I guess the important question now 
is how can you support these commercial fishing companies that are doing it the right way? While the right way might not be perfect, these companies are using sustainable practices, aiming for the pros to outweigh the cons. And it's important to note that when we say sustainable practices, we mean practices that ensure fish populations do not decline over time. Yeah, so sustainable. I mean, sustainability isn't that um, nothing would change. It's just that the system can persist in that state, the current state that it's in, that presumably is providing some benefits to humans um, in perpetuity, at least in, in theory. Yeah. And, uh, so, but it's not that the abundance of fish wouldn't change, you know, in order to harvest, if you're harvesting some animal, the abundance may go down, but it is not going to keep going down. It would settle at a somewhat lower level than an unfished state, but it could stay at that level in theory forever. These fisheries that are trying to be sustainable are recognized by stickers and labels on the packaging of the fish you see in the grocery store. For Catalano, these certifications, for the most part, are a good way for the consumer to gauge a company's fishing practices. Nothing's perfect in this world, but um, I think you, if you want to try to support sustainable fisheries, I think you, I think supporting those those certification programs by fish from fisheries that are Marine Stewardship Council certified. Um, yeah, maybe it's not perfect, but I think that is a, a a very reasonable choice. Despite some fishing companies trying to lessen the negative effects, for some people, the lessen negative effects are still enough to make them not want to eat fish at all, regardless of how many stickers are on the package. Like Olivia Smith, sophomore in aerospace engineering. I would just say I was shocked to just see the extent of just like the atrocities that is the fishing industry as a whole. And the fact is that, like, everyday people, I guess, can't really do anything about it. So that's why I'm taking a stand and not eating fish anymore. <laughs> because I feel like that's the only thing I can do right now. Mm -hmm. I just feel very powerless. The way Olivia learned about the commercial fishing industry was through a documentary she saw on Netflix titled Seaspiracy. For Olivia... This documentary opened her eyes up to the environmentally harmful impacts of commercial fishing. So we started this episode by talking about agriculture. Commercial fishing is not an agricultural practice, but is there a way to farm fish? It turns out that there is, and that's what Auburn's fishery program does. They farm fish, as well as researching sustainable fishing practices. So we sell the fish. It is, um, so we're, we're a fish farm. It's pretty much what it is. Um, and we just like grow them and like ma maintain them pretty much. And then um, we sell to like either people who sell the meat or people who like want them in their ponds um, for fishing and stuff. Okay, gotcha. That's Jack Irwin, a junior in the fisheries program here at Auburn. He's on the general crew at the station, which is what they call the EW Shell Fisheries Center building right off of North College, where the ponds and tanks for raising the fish are located. As a part of the general crew, Jack maintains the conditions of the ponds and tanks where the fishes are held, which is pretty time-consuming, he said. So, I mean, we feed the fish, um, and then we all, so we keep them in ponds, and then we also keep them in tanks. And whenever they're in tanks, we have to, like, scrub the sides and, like, do water changes and stuff so they're not, so that it's not super nasty for them, and then we get dead fish. Um, and then 
we so there's this thing called dissolved oxygen. Um, it's like pretty much the oxygen levels that are in the pond, um, and we have to take dissolved oxygen of the each of the ponds at um, after sunrise and before sunrise. Um, and we don't do it, do it during the winter, but then whenever it's warmer, we do that. At the station, they grow catfish, tilapia, and crawfish, all freshwater animals. Besides raising these species, the fishery program also performs research, looking at the genetic makeup of the fish that they raise, as well as studying the ecology of streams and rivers in the state. It's mainly like grad students and PhD students that run it. And what the team that I work on is like the only undergrad probably that do like the majority of the work. Um, so there's like upper genetics and they do like injecting, they mainly do catfish. So they like try and, um, make, I don't, I don't know the specifics, but they inject catfish and do stuff with their genetics. And then there's, um, there's like crayfish that they work with also. And I actually do some work in that lab as well. Um, and then there's like stream management. So they like go around and travel and, um, like take samples and streams and stuff and they don't do anything they just like they don't do anything on the station but they mainly just travel around the state in addition to freshwater fishing and research auburn's fishery program also participates in research and farming for saltwater species one of these farms run by bill walton off the coast of mobile bay provides oysters to a local restaurant called the depot catalano the professor we spoke with earlier was involved in a project with red snapper I was involved in this project called the Great Red Snapper Count. So it was a huge study of all these different um, universities, including Auburn, and we're trying to estimate abundance of red snapper. It's controversial how many red snapper are actually out there. It's hard to tell. It's not so easy um, to estimate that in the Gulf of Mexico. So there's methods that have been used, and uh, I mean, very you know, acceptable methods that are currently used, but um, you know, if you can get an alternative estimate, that's always a good thing and uh, see how it lines up with your current thinking. So the idea was to do a totally new way of estimating um, uh, abundance of red snappers. So we did this really big study and uh, part of it was tagging. So we tag red snapper and then look at the proportion of those fish that are returned by anglers that are caught by anglers and then reported that they caught them. And from that, you can estimate what fraction of the population is getting caught. It's important to recognize that although fish farming is seen as a sustainable alternative for commercial fishing, they're less damaging to the environment, they can produce a large amount of food, and they help restore damaged fish populations, it's not without its downsides. One of which is how the concentrated waste from the fish population can affect their surrounding environment. Um, so now there's that waste could be going into that into the area, you know, that embayment and affecting the nutrient levels there and um, you know, the, the, that ecosystem. Or you could have escapees, fish getting out, and then potentially either colonizing a new area where they hadn't been living before, like an invade, you know, a non-native species, or uh, interbreeding with the same species that's in that area, but maybe a different genotype, because they're not, you know, you got a wild type and an aquaculture type that could be um, interbreeding which you may, not want, you may not want to have that happen. For both aquaculture and sustainable commercial fishing, the idea of equilibrium is important. For aquaculture, if the oxygen levels of the pond get off or it becomes too dirty, the fish can die. 
or commercial fishing, if a specific population is overfished, the surrounding ocean habitat can be damaged or disrupted. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, balance, the idea of balance or equilibrium is important. And it relates to sustainability, that if it's in equilibrium, it can persist in that. Unless you knock it out of equilibrium, it can persist in that state. Yeah. At the end of the day, both aquaculture and commercial fishing have their pros and cons. While there's no perfect solution, just like how the ocean relies on balance, striking a balance between these two methods might be a good answer to the problem. From the Auburn Plainsman, this has been Sweet 1111. I'm Collins Keith, signing off. And I'm Katie Carroll. See you next week.